Hey everyone, welcome back to the Out to Lunch podcast. We are back from our August hiatus in order to give everybody a well-deserved break for the holidays. We hope you enjoyed it. Today's software adoption episode features SAP partner NTT Data, and we speak with their vice president of customer experience solutions, Bob Myers, on the topic of moving to the cloud and how important it is to focus on agile development. Now, let's see what they're having for lunch. Welcome, Bob. First Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you. Um, great to be here with you today and spending some time over uh, over a virtual lunch, so to speak. Yes. Um, if I would ask you what you are having or had for lunch today, what was it? it uh, it's 8.15 in the morning, so I haven't had lunch yet. <laughs> uh, I've had, had coffee, <laughs> a cup of coffee. <laughs> cup of coffee, no. The best breakfast in the world, right? Black coffee. Black, black yeah. coffee. Cool. All right, awesome. Hey, and um, one of the things that um, we discussed, we wanted to get a bit deeper on uh, NTD data is um, is all about um, transforming, right? And, and innovation, especially uh, driving mm -hmm. innovation to um, to transform solutions into value, as it actually says in your background there, NTD data, we transform SAP solutions into value. In a world that is rapidly moving to the cloud, or actually is in is in the cloud already, how have you guys experienced um, going about innovation in in the past years, and what are you expecting years to come with um, the rapidly changing uh, environments that we are finding ourselves in? Oh, good question. Uh, well, I think you know one of the things that that we did from an innovation standpoint is um, we embraced the cloud. So you know. Partners, customers, um, even vendors to some extent, like SAP, um, were kind of somewhat cautious or maybe even um, apprehensive about embracing the cloud at first because it, it, it represented a little bit of loss of control. Um, you're used to on-prem software, you're used to touching and feeling the servers, um, even if you had data centers, you could get hands-on and pretty much do what, what you wanted. And I think moving to the cloud uh, represented a big change in that, in that mindset. Um, I also think that folks, and, and we experienced folks, felt that it was an all or none proposition. And I, what, we're, what we're starting to realize is that's not true. There's, there's the, you know, the, the hybrid model where some applications are going to be on-prem, some are going to be in the cloud, some might be in a different cloud. And making sure all of those things uh, interact together, I think, is important. As far as innovation, the way we looked at things were once we, once we, we're determined that, hey, we're going to embrace the cloud. We're moving forward with, with um, what SAP's vision of the cloud is and, and even our own company's vision of the cloud. Um, we hope we have a lot of data centers being NTT. So that's just another variation of the cloud, if you will. How can we make that transition easier for customers and, and do it with the mindset of just because it's cloud doesn't mean it's better or the right thing. It, it has to be the right uh, uh, uh approach for that individual customer. And we started looking at, okay, now that we are embracing the cloud, what can we take advantage of in terms of um, deployments, uh, remote working, those types of things. So we've, we've adjusted or uh, um, uh, modified our methodology to embrace that. So, um, you know, we've got teams that are, are on site with customers, um, but we also have key team members that are not on site and may not even be in the same country. Um, and being able to embrace the, the technology that cloud uh, enables to, uh, to, to have folks um, 
when you need them, wherever they're at, uh, available to you, I think has been important. And then we looked at the, 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 the tools and technology that we bring to the table in terms of, um, you know, automated testing, um, continuous integration, those types of things. Again, it, it, it may or may not be a fit for all customers or all uh, uh, solutions. So picking and choosing where those things are appropriate, I think has been um, our mindset and, and our, our march forward. So uh, that's kind of how we've embraced the innovation. Um, as we've developed IP, um, we, we have the mindset now of, okay, how do we build this in the cloud first? Um, so uh, rather than, you know, how are we going to make something work on a, on a server in our data center? How are we going to make it work on any server anywhere type thing is our approach to, uh, to, to development of, of IP that extends solutions that we, uh, we help yeah. implement. And what does that mean for the type of people in your teams like also that change right i mean you said like hey we've changed with the cloud how did you go about um changing your your teams and and their mindset and so on um to continue this innovation journey and actually accelerate because that's typically what has happened in the cloud is everything needed to go faster even and you're almost pushed into innovation cycles rather than pushing out one innovative innovative um piece of product yeah, I think I think it was twofold. The mindset was definitely a, a, a something that had to change, and um, I think once folks understood that cloud was just another place where code was, it, 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 it's not this mysterious, you know, black box type thing that you had to to, to worry about. It was just another server sitting in someone else's data center. Is essentially what it is um, now. It comes with it a lot of things in terms of auto scaling and being able to spin up new environments, uh, provisioning hardware. I, I, I haven't been in this long enough where I remember running to a, a distributor to go pick up a server to go stick in a data center. So um, those things are gone now. And so I think once people understood that it's really the same um, basic things that you're doing today with some enhanced capabilities that you can leverage later on. I think the mindset came around quickly and, and folks had to remember that their experiences that they've, they've gone through can be leveraged in this, in the, in the new, you know, the new cloud world at the time. Um, I wouldn't call it new anymore. Um, so you think that was one aspect of it. The, the second part was, I think folks, in the past, especially on projects focused on, okay, <clears throat> we have to get to this end state that's perfect. And I think companies, both vendors such as SAP, customers and solution providers understood that getting something quick and quick to value is, is more important than having perfection. And um, I, the, the new CEO of Amazon, put it uh, perfectly this year. He called it minimal lovable product. It used to be MVP, uh, minimal valuable, valuable product. He called it minimal lovable product, which I think is a better term. What can you get out and develop quickly so that you can start to realize that return on investment or, or you know, reduce your total cost of ownership, start to provide that, that business value, and then iterate quickly after that. And I think that's because you've shifted to the cloud, because the mindset has changed, um, that the, the big, you know, massive projects, don't get me wrong, projects are still big and 
but but that big 36 month project, we, we waited until 36 months to see what the results were. It's changing. We want to see something in six months and then iterate and, and start to realize those gains earlier. And cloud has enabled that. I think the mindset has enabled that. So, so from our vantage point, I think that's how we've adopted our methodology to take advantage of it. I, I love a lot what you said about here, the minimable, lovable product. Um, and you were referring already before on, on your methodology. So would you say the main shift on the methodology was shifting to a more agile delivery methodology? 100%, correct. Um, again, I, I came from a, a CX background. So we've we've done agile-like agile processes for, for years. And I know from... from you know, not as, as intimate in the on our S4 projects, but just seeing how that the, the S4 or the ERP teams have changed, they're embracing that mindset as well, where, yes, you need to go through your workshops and really understand what's happening. But then as you begin to build, you, you iterate and you iterate and show, iterate and show. And what I think it, it, the value I think it brings to customers is, first of all, it keeps them engaged because you're showing them something early and often. Um, and, and it enables course correction because you've written it down on paper and because they've done this process for so long, doesn't mean it's right. Um, once you see it and are interacting with it, it's like, well, it could be better. Okay, great. Maybe we need to tweak it or it could be better, but we can make that something that's a phase three or phase four. Let's put it in the parking lot and address it later. Um, so I think having that iterative mindset has, has definitely been an advantage for for us and uh, should be for for most partners and customers especially out there did you find that customers were well adopted to that then as well like to go in smaller cycles instead of trying to get everything perfect um in 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 12 months 16 months early on no not at all um and and i remember in early days of agile in my career you, you would talk to clients ahead of time and you would know, okay, these, they have to be waterfall. They have to go in a linear way to build a project. And then some customers started to, to embrace it. I think nowadays we're seeing more and more companies open to it. Um, again, as long as you're showing value in it and um, uh, most IT organizations or companies for that matter are operating somewhat agile today. So um, I, I do feel it's been embraced. Um, I think everybody has a slightly different variation of it where, you know, your sprint cycles could be two weeks or three weeks, depending on what you want to see, how do you handle the backlog, that type of thing. But for the most part, it's, it's, a, it's been embraced and more and more companies um, uh, want to use it. And I think companies that were apprehensive after they go through it, they see the value in it. The, the challenge today is people customers don't have enough resources internally to be able to, you know, dedicate to, okay, I, I've really got to spend time, you know, looking at the, the, the sprint demo or making sure my, my, um, my user stories are ready for this next, the, the next sprint, um, because they're, they're shorthanded and busy with their day jobs as well. So, um, um, overcoming that, I think is our, is our current challenge. Um, and, and hopefully as if, if the, you know, the supply chain corrects itself eventually, um, those things will ease up, uh, labor market gets better. Um, I think those things will ease up and, and really accelerate the pace of change. 
maybe going on this right because it, it seems to become the critical success factor in the project to keep the customer continuously engaged in the project to, to run agile Mm-hmm. How do you expose it to the customers? Is it baked into your methodology to set the expectation right? Uh, how do you feel about it? How can you, how can you be there successful to onboard the customer in the, into this mindset? I, we, we address it early. We explain to them how it's going to work. We do talk about that, you know, minimal lovable product. You know, let's get the core going first and then iterate from there. Um, being from Chicago, I joke about the, the process and I say, you know, you know, I'm from Chicago, we're going to show you how the sausage is made. It may not be pretty at first, but then eventually it's it's tasty. So <laughs> you're going to see things early on that aren't quite done, that aren't quite ready. And you, you do have to remind them of that, that we're showing you early stages. We want to make sure. And, and I, I feel that because they're seeing things being constructed, they're they understood the process that went into it and they are part of that process. So they're, you know, there's no, why did you later on? Why did you do it this way? Why did you saw it being built? We, we collectively worked on it together. You understand why it was done this way. And I think some of those questions or doubts or concerns kind of go away because they've been part of the process. So, so succinctly, we just address it early upfront and then we make sure we reiterate that all the way through the cycle. And do you feel that, or do you see that you typically do that with um, the, um, let's say the technical departments at customers, or do you also engage the business side of, of customers with that as well? Because I can imagine, and which is why I ask it, that the business just wants to see that shiny outcome, right? And they're like, hey, this is crap. This I can't use this. Like, why do you even show me this? Like, how does that go? it's it's both and in my personal experience it embraces it faster just because they they get they that's their they get it. the nature and they may be using some form of that it is the business that sometimes has a challenge with it and again you just have to reiterate what set expectations right you know here, here's what we're going to show you here's what works here's what doesn't work um want your feedback on the stuff you're seeing Hey, you know, if they see something that isn't quite right, that's going to be in another sprint, notate it. And when you get to that sprint, say, remember back in sprint one or two, when you said, Hey, this, this didn't look right. Well, it's finished now. How, how, how does this look? Is it what you expected? And once they see that a couple of times, then, then, then the, then the trust comes into play. Like we say in our, in our, in our statement. Um, and, and I think, again, I've experienced where customers just, I don't want to say feel at ease, but they feel more comfortable that you said what you're going to do. You did what you said. You showed it to us. Okay. There's that trust being built and, and moving forward. If you say something's not ready, it's the next sprint. They, they, they take it face value and they know they'll see it later. So transparency is a, is a, is almost a, a key differentiator in, in how you guys operate. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cool. Very good. Maybe let me pick one, one other topic you mentioned in terms of what, what drives you in the cloud, and that was the topic of tools, right? And, and I think this is one key element in terms of the benefits of the cloud, in terms of being capable to automate stuff. How do you see this going? Does this drive scale and allows you really to double down then your people more on the, on the business side and the business value because the tools are taking over more the technical aspects? How, how do you see this evolving 
Uh, absolutely, absolutely, and 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 tools is a very broad category. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got tools related to hardware, tools related to process, tools related to software. Um, so, looking at kind of each of those kind of areas, um, again, my background, e-commerce, web development. I remember, you know, days long, weeks long conversations about servers and capacity and bandwidth. I haven't had one of those conversations in three or four years now because embracing the cloud, you put put the, the 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 hardware, if you will, in the cloud. You're buying compute power. You need to scale it up. A couple of self service buttons. You can add more capacity. Um, nobody talks about bandwidth anymore. Um, there's plenty of it out there. Um, so I think in in those regards, some of that got got easier. Um, in terms of uh, uh, process, you know looking at organizations, what are the things that are, you know, I don't want to say meaningless, but, but wrote tasks that could be automated. So embracing things like RPA and, and other technologies, um, you know, a call center person answering a phone to say, where's my order? It, you know, that, that in the future, that shouldn't be something. We should automatically be communicating that with AI or self-service portals where somebody can go look up that information. If I'm a customer service rep and I have information about a customer's order, that customer should be able to find that same information on a portal or somewhere or mobile device, whatever. And so I think AI and bots help there. RPA you know, people copying columns from spreadsheet to spreadsheet or doing things manually that take, you know, the, the, what's the, the exchange rates. Nobody should ever have to look up an exchange rate nowadays. They should be able to automate that to go out and get the latest populated into a, into a table. Um, but we still run into companies where folks are copying, pasting columns of data and that can all be automated. Um, Again, maybe the process needs to be rethought, but in the interim, you can speed up that. Now you just freed up that person from a road task to now leverage them to do something value-add for your customers. I think that's important. And then on the software side, you know, some of these things, I'm not well-versed, but I'm very interested in things like low-code, no-code. How can you develop apps quickly? How can you do things where you don't always have to tap the IT folks on the shoulder in order to, you know, get a new report or a new feature or a new function? How do you enable those types of things within the enterprise so that, so that the folks who are on the, the, you know, need the data or need the information at their fingertips, they can build what they want um, within the constructs of the, of the environment and um, uh, be able to just make, make things happen quicker for the organization. And that gets back to the agility stuff. So I think, I think there are a lot of tools that are, that are out. Um, there are a lot of tools that have been talked about for the years that I've been doing this that are now starting to come to fruition where, okay, this stuff is actually, it actually works and does what it says it was supposed to do. And, and I think we're going to see, continue to see that evolution um, happen over the next, you know, several years, decades, et cetera. Um, can, can only imagine what's coming next in terms of yeah. uh, being able to, to speed up processes and automation and things like that. Cool. Hey, um, we are nearing the end of uh, our lunch session, or in your case, your brekkie session. Um, mm -hmm. But I won't let you go without asking you one, uh, one question. And we do that as a bit of a, a habit. I don't know if you listen back to the, any of the, the podcasts so far, but the question always is, if you would 
have a chance to have lunch with your hero or inspiration or somebody that you really aspire or or uh, 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 just just value as a mentor or whomever who would that be and what would be the topic of discussion wow that's a that's a tough one um well two people come to mind right away it's bezos or gates um i'd love to talk to them just hear what you know hear their thoughts on the future um i know some circles they're popular and other circles they're kind of you know not, not as popular but i just think they're their vision and their mindset on how they do things. Um, and, and, you know, I'm not a great coder, never was, but I, I always felt that I understood how technology could be used to, to as an advantage in business. Um, they're, you know, light years difference than <laughs> what I think. And just understanding how their mindset and how they try to absorb how they think a little bit, I think would be, uh, would be uh, key. Um, I think, Candidly, right now, Gates, because he's not doing technology as much, he's more trying to do philanthropic type things. So um, fascinated his thoughts on nuclear energy and clean water and those types of things. Um, uh, just to, to have a lunch with him, I think would be pretty good. Yeah, and give him a glass of water then. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> cool, awesome. Well, we had somebody mention um, uh, Steve Jobs, who's no longer with us, but as a um, as somebody to have lunch with. So now we have Bezos and uh, and Bill Gates with it. So I think we have the the top three of of uh, probably most well known known people in the in the technology space uh, yeah. now mentioned. Cool. With that, um, I need to thank you for your time and your insights. It's been great. Uh, Hans, oh thank you as well. Thank you. And, um, looking forward to um, to a next episode. Thanks, Bob. Thanks so thank much. You. Thank you, Bob. Talk to you soon. Thank you all for listening or watching to this episode of the Out to Lunch podcast. We hope you got some good value out of it. And we also hope that you noticed that we switched up our logo. Fancy stuff. As always, don't forget to provide us with some feedback using the link in the description. We'll see you soon. Stay hungry.